Wesley and Mallory Bacon were your typical suburban family. Until about a year and a half ago, when they decided to take a radical step by selling their home and moving into an RV. And it wasn't just Wesley and Mallory. They have three little boys as well. For the past 13 months, the Bacons have been living tiny as they travel the United States and work remotely. They've had the privilege of visiting 23 of the 50 states and 11 national parks. Today, we interview the Bacons to find out what living tiny and life on the road looks like. Thanks for joining us on the Tove Podcast. You are listening to the Tove Podcast. Well, welcome, Wesley and Mallory Bacon, to the Tove Podcast. I'm so excited you guys are able to join us today from somewhere in these beautiful United States of America. And I think our listeners would love to know, where in the world are you right now? Uh, we are currently in western North Carolina. We're south of the Smoky Mountains. Uh, we're in a town called Silva, North Carolina. So we're about two miles off the Blue Ridge Parkway, actually. It's a very beautiful area here. Um, there's lots of mountains and waterways and national forests, um, so lots of hiking and opportunities to get outdoors. We love it here. How long have you been in that particular location? We've been in this area for seven to eight weeks. Um, we normally move around, actually, much more frequently. We usually move every one to two weeks, but with everything with the coronavirus, um, we've just been staying put, as obviously it's not a great time to travel around. Yeah, because a lot of the national parks and state parks are shut down right now. Is that right? Yes. And some are starting to open up now, but we haven't been to any in several months. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot is shut down. And actually, even where we're at right now, the Blue Ridge Parkway closed probably about two weeks ago. Um, there is still hiking open in the area, but it's not like it normally is. And even the campground mm -hmm. that we're at, they can't take any reservations for like any short term stuff. It's only for people who will be here for a month or longer. Um, just to discourage people who are looking for like weekend vacation type of thing. So the pandemic has even thrown a wrench into those who are living on the road. As I mentioned in the introduction, uh, it's not just the two of you who are traveling. Uh, you have three little boys that are with you. Uh, I think the Tove podcast listeners would be curious to know the age ranges of those little boys. Oh, um, we have, so yes, we have three boys. They are uh, five, three, and the youngest will turn two in just a month from today. Wow. So I want to take us back to the beginning here. You're a family of five. You'd been living in suburbia in the suburbs of Chicago, which is where you both grew up primarily, right? So you both had community and family in the Chicagoland area. You had a faith community there. I'm curious what... What prompted you to want to sell your home, to buy an RV, and to start traveling across the country with your family? For a couple years, probably four to five years, we had been looking at moving out of the Chicagoland area and into an area where it was a little bit more temperate of a climate um, and also just where we could have the opportunity to do more outdoors. Um, because we really love to hike and do 
different outdoor activities like that. Um, the winters in Chicago, uh, as or in a lot of the Midwest, as many listeners probably know, are long. And that was really challenging, especially as we had young kids. Um, and it was, you know, and it affects different people different ways. But for us, we were just kind of ready to move. Um, so we were looking into moving to a more temperate climate. And Wesley had actually applied to a couple jobs over the years and nothing ever panned out. Um, and then at one point, one actually did start to pan out um, in the Tennessee, North Carolina area, kind of similar to the area where we're at now. Um, but we just didn't really feel peace about taking the job because making a permanent move to somewhere that you haven't spent that much time in is a really big decision. Mm -hmm. And so we were kind of nervous about it. We were like, what if we take this job and move there and we don't like it? And so we didn't really feel peace about that. And that was kind of interesting because we'd been wanting to move to that area for a couple of years. Um, but around the same time, uh, we started to plan a road trip to some of the national parks out West. We just thought it would be really fun to go for like two and a half weeks and see as much as we could. And while we were planning that, obviously we, you know, had a, a bit of a travel itch and, um, while we were planning the road trip, we came across the blog of a full-time RV family, and we had never even really heard of this before, and so we were really intrigued. As far as, you know, kind of coming to that decision, uh, we came to it pretty quickly. You know, we just kind of felt peace about it from the beginning, and we felt that it was the direction that we should take. Um, one appeal was that we could spend a lot more time together as a family, obviously. Wesley um, quit his full-time job so we could do this. And he used to be gone, you know, between 50 and 60 hours a week. And now we're all together all the time. Yeah. Um, and another thing is, you know, like I mentioned before, we love outdoor activity. We love to travel. Um, and so this would give us the opportunity to kind of go, you know, where the weather was nice and we could be outdoors all year round. Um, and it also kind of gives us an opportunity to explore the United States and kind of see different areas so that someday when we are ready to settle down, we have a better idea of where that might be. Yeah. Well, it's just so fascinating. You know, a lot of people want to travel. A lot of people want to see these beautiful United States and a lot of people do, right? But they wait till they're retired <laughs> and they wait till their kids are grown and have left the home. And uh, these folks pour a lot of their savings into something like an RV. So here you guys are. You're both in your 30s with three young children. And you decide, no, 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 we're not going to wait until we're retired. We're going to do this now. And uh, we're going to give our kids this amazing experience that's unlike a lot of other kids here in the United States. Now, my question is, did you receive any pushback? Right. Because you're talking about quitting a full time job. I'm, I'm sure it was a pretty good job. You're talking about selling a home and you're talking about bringing kids out of what we might consider a typical environment and putting them into a what, 33 foot RV. So yeah. what kind of pushback did you receive, if any, from friends and family? Overall, I think the response of family and friends was more positive than we expected it to be. Obviously, they had a lot of questions, most of them being logistical. Um, and that's kind of where, you know, we were doing a lot of research and just making sure that we knew what we were getting into. There was definitely family um, 
I mean, since all of our families in the Chicago area, and for the most part, we've both lived in that area for most of our lives. Um, and being close to family with our young kids, definitely difficult for, for family to, to not see them. I mean, my mom and Mallory's parents are both still in the Chicago area and they, they love their grandkids. So it's not easy for them to just say, hey, like for her parents were right down the road and my mom was 20 minutes away. So go from that to, yeah, we're, we're going to be in Texas and you guys are in Illinois or, hey, now we're in North Carolina or we don't know. Like, it's not we can go and grab we can go and get ice cream every Friday and go to the car show. Right. It's maybe every five months, maybe every three months, you guys can fly out and meet us somewhere and wherever we might be. Yeah. Well, very good. Um, so you've been on this journey now, at least on the road. I know that the journey actually started quite a while before you were able to uh, put the RV in drive and take off. But I think you've been on the road now yes. for about 13 months. Is that right? Yes, we have. We moved into the trailer about 13 months ago. And then about we've actually been on the road closer to 11 months because we would live stationary for about two months. Um, in the RV before we took off, just so that way we could kind of adjust to tiny living um, and just get used to living in a small space. And also we had some things to wrap up uh, with work and just getting ready to go. Obviously it's a really large endeavor, so. Yeah, now during the time that you've been on the road, uh, I'm sure there's been some hard parts and I think our listeners would be interested <laughs> to know what have been the hardest parts of living tiny and living on the road? So some of the hardest things have definitely been some of the best things still. Um, like for me specifically, I was going from being at work for 50 to 60 hours a week um, to now being with my kids 24 seven, which is, I love it. Like I love it. And it brings so much joy at times. And any stay at home parent can also attest that there are very difficult things with that. Um, it's not always the most fun thing in the world. And a five-year-old, three-year-old and one-year-old don't always get along with each other or want to do what you need them to do. Um, so it definitely has hit uh, hardships in terms of being around them all the time. And it's definitely, I mean, for me, a, tr a transition from I'm interacting with adults for 50 to 60 hours a week at work on all these different things to now I'm at home and it's just me and one other adult and three children. Yeah, all that to say, it's it's definitely been a blessing to be home with my kids and with Mallory all the time, mm -hmm. um, but not always the easiest thing. Uh, and then another thing that's just been hard, um, I think more so for me, is just been connecting with other people. Because um, again, I went from being, I would interact with a whole bunch of people at work and we were interacting with people at church all the time and a part of a small group um, to now we just, we don't have as many opportunities. Um, obviously now in terms of, technology, we can Zoom call people or phone call people, FaceTime people, um, and have that ability to connect. But it's just not, I mean, it's not the same. Um, and we also do, there is a decently sized community of people doing this. And we've met a lot of different people on the road, um, a lot of really great people. So there's always, there's a, there's a balance of you don't, you're not connecting with the same people. Um, as easily or as deeply, but you're still able to, it's just a little, a little bit more work. And that's even going into this, a lot of it, we knew some of that stuff would be hard. And a lot of the discussion was 
this would have to be something that we're intentionally doing. Mm-hmm. So if we're not intentionally doing these things to connect with people and still have community, then it's very easy for us to not have that. Yeah. Mallory, what about you? What's been uh, the most difficult parts for you? Is it the same as Wesley or something different? One thing that we didn't really consider going into this lifestyle was dealing with inclement weather. Um, I don't know why it just never really crossed our mind. And so, you know, obviously to some extent you can avoid that. For example, we would never go to Florida during hurricane season or, you know, whatever, like we wouldn't go to upper peninsula, Michigan in January. Um, but at the same time, obviously you cannot control the weather. And so we've had several run-ins with tornadoes while on the road. Um, we've had horrible storms. A couple months into this lifestyle, we were in South Dakota, and so we were still newbies at the time, and we hadn't really experienced too much inclement weather. The spot where we were staying actually had a siren on the premise because it was also in a flash flood zone. So there was one day where we knew that there were going to be some really bad storms with the possibility of tornadoes. And so we were prepared, you know, to leave if we needed to, and we were actually planning to go into town. There was a museum called the mammoth site Um, and so we were planning to go there like during the storms just to take shelter what ended up happening was actually the siren at our campground went off and we were like literally the only people there and so the siren went off and it was so loud and there was this huge clap of thunder and there was a tornado warning and a flash flood warning and we were just in this you know living in this tiny trailer and there was nobody else around and so we you know, got the kids ready and like the kids were crying and, you know, Wesley and I were honestly pretty panicked and we drove to the museum that we had been planning on going to anyways. But when we got there, it was actually, they were in what they call the code black. And so everybody at the museum was actually hiding in the basement because there was like a tornado in town that we actually like drove past and didn't even know. And so we sheltered in the basement at the Mammoth site in Hot Springs, South Dakota for a couple hours. And, um, you know, thank the Lord, there was like no damage done to our trailer and um, like there was no flooding by our trailer either. But it was just a really scary experience. And I have to say, like after that, we're definitely much more aware of the weather. And I personally tend to be a little bit paranoid about stuff after that. But, you know, we just try to trust God and we, but the main thing is we're really, you know, we're very diligent at like checking the forecast and we always make sure now that we have a place of shelter. Like if there is something like that. Um, and, you know, if we ever were in a scenario where we knew a lot of inclement weather was coming, we could always get up and move, which is a right. But right. at the end of the day, you can't predict everything. Mm-hmm. So that's been a challenge. And then one other challenging thing is, kind of just how people perceive this lifestyle and everybody has their own views and opinions of it. But sometimes it's hard for me when people treat us like we're just living a giant vacation uh, when that's actually not the reality at all. Like there are definitely moments that feel like a vacation when we're outdoor in nature or visiting national parks. But the truth is we actually both work really hard to make this lifestyle happen. Mm. And um, so it's definitely a balance of work and play. Yeah. I think that's probably another question that some of our listeners have um, is what do you guys do for work? Did you simply save up enough money from the sale of your home? And now all of a sudden you're spending all this money on traveling around in an RV 
or do you continue to work on the road? We actually do know of several families on the road that did make a ton of money off of the sale of their house, and that kind of does get them through their travels. Um, For us, we had only been living in our house for about two years, and we did make some money off of it, which was a blessing, but that money went towards other expenses. Um, We wanted to pay off debt and stuff. So yeah, so we both work part-time remotely, um, which is really great. When we were looking into this lifestyle, something very important to us was that we both were only working part-time and also that we had jobs that were not only remote, because obviously they have to be, but also jobs that were flexible um, because working a nine-to-five schedule simply wasn't the experience that we wanted. And it would also be extremely challenging with living in 300 square feet with three young kids. Right. So um, thankfully, we we both have jobs that cater to this. And um, I'll kind of like let Wesley explain first because he does more than me. Yeah. So I, um, my main job is a contract job that is about 20 hours a week. I am a map quality analyst. Um, I review map searches that people um, search online and then review the uh, results that uh, the search engine is giving them. Um, and then rate them for how relevant they are and then determine how accurate all the information is. Um, So it's not like a career type job, but it's something that I can do from wherever and any time of the day. I mean, there's a lot of probably like three days a week. I'm getting up at five in the morning to try and get some work in before the boys get up just because that's a a more convenient time for me to work. And then I've also about two months ago started a mentorship course for um, selling stuff on Amazon through a service they provide called FBA. It's fulfillment by Amazon. Um, And the way that works is they store whatever you're going to sell and then they handle all the fulfillment of it. So it's very much hands off in terms of once you start selling it. I'm in the stage of I just um, placed my order with a manufacturer overseas and they are um, making my product and they'll be shipping it over in a few weeks and it'll be here in about a month. And then I will get it sent on over to Amazon and launch that product. Yeah, so that's definitely um, more of like a passive income approach. And that's kind of where we're hoping to go. Because, you know, obviously, like I mentioned, we work really hard to make this lifestyle work, but we would love to work less. Um, So I work for the ministry Life and Messiah. And I'll talk about this a little bit later on, I think. Um, um, And then I also have a freelance job as well, uh, through Upwork, where I am helping these two men develop a real estate app. Wow, exciting stuff. Wesley, I want to come back a second to apparently, uh, if I heard you right, you mentioned that you are in the process of launching a new product on Amazon and it'll be available within another month or so. Can you tell us a little bit about that product? I have no idea what it is and perhaps our listeners would be interested in it. Yes, so I am... Um, having a supplier make a product called sheet straps or sheet suspenders. Um, they're known by a few different thing, a few different words. Um, but for the most part, they are metal clips with webbing and you attach the metal clips to your fitted sheet. The idea is to hold your fitted sheet on so it doesn't come loose. I know for us, um, we regularly had issues until we bought some sheet suspenders where our fitted sheets would be like coming loose off the corner just in the middle of the night when someone's like turning over or something. So I identified um, what most of the manufacturers were doing 
And they're all pretty much made as the same. And I figured out a way to make an improvement on them. So they're easier to install and I'm having that made up. Fascinating. And uh, so what will these sheet suspenders be called exactly? They actually, I don't have the listing yet and I don't have the exact name for them yet. Um, paying someone else who knows better in terms of search engine optimization to make the listing for me because that's not really my forte. Um, but it'll be something like sheet straps or bed sheet suspenders. Really, it's it's all about targeting keywords in Amazon and targeting the keywords that many people are searching. So I didn't, that's part of like with the Amazon mentorship course that I'm in um, is they show you tools with how to search Amazon and find what people are searching for and then see if it checks a few other boxes and if it makes sense for you to make your own and then sell it. So it's called private labeling. Like I wouldn't go out and just find like cell phone cases and find a way to launch a cell phone case that I think is better than everyone else's because the cost to get into a product like that, that has so many people selling it or has such high volume, it's just, it I wouldn't have the amount of money um, to launch a product like that. So looking for something that is a niche product that is selling, but I can afford to get into that market. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. The whole thing with Wesley's product though is, so it's not a product that's necessarily new to the market, but his is new and improved. Um, I don't know if you want to just mention why that is or. Yeah. So the like... improvements, everyone sells for sheet straps. Can't believe I'm explaining this on this podcast. So the sheet straps that most people sell are elastic um, and they're adjusted similar to like how you would adjust suspenders where there's a metal clip that like slides up and down to adjust the yep. length. And I've tried those before and they are difficult to install on the underside of a bed. Um, especially more difficult in a uh, RV where the space is just limited. Um, so the product that I am launching is instead of made with elastic, it is with uh, a similar webbing to like backpack straps. Um, and then it has a buckle similar to a backpack where you just pull with one hand the slack out and then it pulls it tight. So much easier to do with one hand underneath the bed instead of trying to fumble around of lifting up the mattress and get your hands underneath to, to adjust the length of the, of the strap. Do you think that this idea that you generated was a direct result of your experience on the RV? Yeah, it definitely was because of living in a small bedroom um, and like having that issue, because we never really had that issue much in our house. But for whatever reason, in the RV, we have that issue all the time with the sheets coming loose. Um, and then even with how difficult it was to install, install the competitor straps, um, it was just frustrating. And it was around the same time as when, when we bought that was when I started the Amazon um, the FBA mentorship that I'm in. Well, I think it's uh, really great. And I hope, it, I hope it does well in the market and uh, you get a lot of success from it. Now, both of you throughout uh, the course of our conversation several times have mentioned the idea of faith, and uh, you referenced God on several occasions. So one of my questions is, how has your faith played a role in this journey that you're on? Yeah, so a couple different ways. I mean, obviously, um, it took a lot of faith to even make the decision to sell, you know, 90% of what we owned and to decide to live this way. Um, it was, you know, we sacrificed a lot of things that we had worked really hard for for a couple of years. And 
it's a little bit more of a non-conventional way to live. And so we stepped out in faith doing that. Um, I think as Wesley touched on earlier, you know, we did have a good church community and leaving that physically, you know, was hard. Since we are on the road now um, and we do travel around quite frequently, um, we would still say that our home church is our church in Wheaton, where we were attending before and very involved with. But at the same time, we really have just had to be more intentional about our faith. And for example, we do family devotions with the kids and really making sure that we're prioritizing those things um, because they are important to us. And at the end of the day, we don't have as many resources as we would if we were home and just bringing our kids to Sunday school, for example, or, you know, going to a Bible study on Tuesday mornings and stuff like that. So it's definitely different, but definitely one of the things that we've appreciated over the past couple of months with everything that's going on with COVID-19, um, our home church has now started streaming their services online since they're not allowed to have people in the building, which is now something that we're able to be a part of. Because before we would listen to podcasts of other places, or even I would listen to podcasts of the church that we were that we consider our home church, but being able to live stream the service and be a part of worship, um, it's just a different experience, and we've really appreciated that. Yeah, well, that's definitely one thing you have in common with everybody else who's not traveling right now is we're all using Zoom yeah. and podcasts and uh, and on you know streaming to connect, and so. We're right there with you on that for this particular season. Uh, there's probably some folks out there who are considering a minimalist lifestyle right now, whether it's to choose to get an RV and travel the country or whether it's to move into a tiny home. Uh, and there are other folks who are simply downsizing, realizing that we just don't need so much stuff. And, you know, I just saw on social media the other day, someone just posted that just so much stuff, so many possessions were just weighing on them. You know, I think over time, we just tend to accumulate so many possessions because we think, oh, I need that. Well, I need that. And we look around after 10 years and we've got a barn full of things that we're storing. So what would you say to those who are considering a minimalist lifestyle? Because I am sure that there are positives and I'm sure there are some drawbacks too. Yeah, obviously what we did was pretty drastic. I mean, you can still live minimalistically and more simply without downsizing to 300 square feet and doing exactly what we're doing. Like just what we realized going through all of our stuff was like just all this, like so much stuff that we had that we never used that we didn't barely realize we had when we were donating it. And it was just like so freeing to get rid of most of that stuff. So uh, is there anything specific about the RV lifestyle? You know, because some folks are selling their homes and buying a bus and traveling around others. It's a, it's a classic RV. Uh, what would you say to those who are considering RVing? Um, the most helpful thing for us actually was we joined Instagram and we were able to connect and follow a bunch of other full-time RV families there. Um, as a side note, we are on Instagram. We're at uh, Bacon's on the road. So you can follow us there. If you have any direct questions, we'd love to answer them, but Going back to that all in all, this was really helpful because it gave us the opportunity to ask questions directly to people that were doing it and to just kind of see their day-to-day lifestyle. Um, and that was just really helpful for us because we wanted to know what it was really like, not only the good things, but also the challenging things. And and I just want to put that name out there again. Uh, if you'd like to follow Wesley and Mallory, on Instagram and see some beautiful pictures. I get to see their pictures all the time from their visits to the national parks. I get to see them living family life on the road. That is 
at Bacons on the Road. And uh, they can just find you on Instagram and see all kinds of posts and pictures, right, guys? We're really passionate about what we're doing, and we'd love to help others. So we talked a little bit about some of the more difficult aspects of uh, life on the road, but obviously there are some wonderful aspects as well. And you've already alluded or mentioned a few of those, but I wondered if we can dive down into that. What are some, some wonderful aspects of life on the road for you guys as a family? I mean, really, it's just such an amazing opportunity to see so many places. Um, we're able to be outdoors in God's creation almost every day. And obviously, you know, in the United States, there are some really stunning places and national parks and not even it's not always about the national parks or these really iconic places. But, you know, like there's so much beauty everywhere we go. And so being able to bring our home with us to all these places has been really wonderful. It's really kind of the best of both worlds because we get to explore all these amazing places, but at the same time, you know, we also get to sleep in our own bed every night and the kids aren't going through any type of transition really because this is still their home base. You know, we eat dinner at our dinner table every night, you know, they're sleeping in their bunk beds. And so it, it, it provides us the opportunity to do so much and to travel around so much, but we still have a lot of stability, which mm. is really important for the mm-hmm. kids, we think. I would definitely say just being able to travel and see the country. I mean, we have a beautiful country that I haven't really explored. My my family didn't really take any family vacations. Um, my dad was a pastor and a family vacation for us was going to a pastor's conference in Cincinnati or a pastor's conference in Minnesota um, or going like an hour away to a lake house that my grandparents owned. Um, other than that, like we didn't really go on vacations and I never really was out west and saw any of the national parks um, or any of the, not even the national parks, just the, the beauty of, of the western part of the country, where if, you're, if you've been in the Midwest your whole life, you're really missing out and need to get out and, and see some of that. Um, so that to me has been just, just amazing, the, the nature and, and being able to experience God's creation. Yeah, uh, which, <clears throat> you know, kind of a, a lighthearted question here. What is your favorite part of the U.S. thus far? Because you've been to 23 out of the 50 states. So you haven't even hit half yet. But so far, what's your most favorite part of the U.S.? I love Maine. Um, Maine really surprised us. Um, Acadia National Park is, is, is amazing and gorgeous. Um, and the state as a whole, Maine and New Hampshire and Vermont, that whole area, they're just, the mountains are beautiful. If it wasn't where it is and they had really long, terrible winters, we would consider settling down there. <laughs> um, but the whole part of the reason of leaving Chicago is to, to leave those long winters. Um, so I think for me, second would be where we're at right now, Western North Carolina, uh, Eastern Tennessee, along the Smoky Mountains, just another beautiful area with beautiful mountains. Um, that's really our, our, our preferred is, is mountains when it comes to outdoors and nature. Yeah. I would agree with with Wesley on both of those places. Um, When we were out west, it was also really just an amazing experience. Um, We were in Wyoming and Montana, and we were in Colorado. And when we were in those states, we did mostly free camping, which means that we didn't have electrical hookups or water or sewer or anything like that. So it's a bit more work, but we were just in these really vast open places It's called BLM land, and it's land that's owned by the government. And and it was a really Mm -hmm. special experience because there was essentially no one else around. And when you look up at the sky at night, you know, it really is pitch black and the stars are amazing. And there was so much wildlife, which is sometimes scary, Um, but overall just really amazing. And so 
that part of the country is also, I think, holds a special place in our heart. And, you know, it was just an amazing experience to be out there for several months. So, you know, the United States has so much diversity and so much beauty. I mean, it really does have everything. You have oceans and lakes, and you also have mountains and deserts and forests. And I mean, you name it, we have it all. So it's such a beautiful country, and it's been an amazing opportunity to get to explore it and see so much of it. How much longer do you guys hope to keep going with this lifestyle? When we launched, we had said we'd do two years because we figured the first year would be um, a lot of adjustment. Um, and then the second year will give us a more fair picture of what this lifestyle looks like. Um, and we were just discussing the other day about some travel plans that we that we still want to do before we settle down. Um, one of the biggest ones being Alaska and trying to get up there. Um, so we, at this point, are looking at, what, two, two to three more years, kind of depending on how things go. I mean, yeah, we've always kind of been open to, you know, like we said, two years at the beginning, because first of all, like everybody asked us that when we were trying to get on the road, it was like one of the number one questions. So we had to have an answer, of course. So we kind of just came up with two years for that. And then, you know, I think at this point, we're looking at probably another two years and maybe longer. But we've also always said if like, for some reason, we need to stop, you know, like if it's just not working out anymore, or if something changes that we would need to be open to doing that. And I think that we've done a pretty good job of kind of holding it open handed and kind of rolling with the punches. I mean, for us, even with this coronavirus stuff, like we hope that, you know, it doesn't affect our travels too much more. But the truth is, we don't know. And so, um, you know, this lifestyle has taught us a lot about flexibility. And for me personally, I'm such a planner. And so I sometimes really struggle with plans changing suddenly or things going wrong. But the truth is, it happens all the time with this lifestyle. And I think it's been good for us to kind of have more of that perspective and being able to, like I said, just roll with the punches a little bit more naturally than we could before. Well, flexibility is one of those words that uh, that we tend to use a lot in my circle. And as you guys know, uh, Stephanie and I have the opportunity to lead groups, uh, oftentimes overseas, to places like Israel. And one of the things that uh, we're sure to tell our groups is blessed are the flexible, for they will not get bent out of shape. And uh, we absolutely find that flexibility is the key, not only uh, to daily living, but especially when we are on the road, when we're traveling, and when a lot of things are outside of our control. And uh, the great thing is, is uh, those situations oftentimes change things about us. They change who we are, they strengthen our character, and they help us ultimately rely more on the Lord, knowing that uh, all circumstances are in his control. Well, as we're winding down our time here, um, I just had another question specifically for Mallory. Uh, Mallory, uh, we didn't mention this to our listeners at the beginning of the podcast, but you were actually a Jewish studies major in college. You went to the Moody Bible Institute. And uh, I think our listeners would be curious why you chose that route of Jewish studies and what or how are you using that degree now? When I was in high school, I was attending a youth group. It actually was a youth group outside of our home church at the time, but I attended like a second one that met on the weekends. Um, and they really focused a lot on the church and on Israel. And this was something that I hadn't really heard too much about um, and just God's love for the Jewish people and 
um, just the priority to like share the gospel with the Jewish people and to share God's love with them. Um, and so all that to say that really piqued my interest when I was probably a sophomore, um, when I was a sophomore and junior in high school and I began digging into things more and I just realized like, Hey, this is important. And I really want to, at, at that point, I thought I want to probably go to Israel someday and live there and do ministry there. So at that point, I applied to Moody Bible Institute as a Jewish studies major, and I attended there um, from 2008 to 2012. Um, and I did spend some time in Israel, and it was amazing. Um, at this point, I'm clearly not living in Israel, and I'm living something else, and God had something else in mind. Um, but I'm still able to use my degree. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I work for Life and Messiah, um, and their whole mission statement is sharing God's heart for the Jewish people. And so I work as their communications coordinator. Um, I'm kind of behind the scenes, so I handle a lot of editing and also preparing publications that go out, um, as well as like a slew of other things. Um, so I have a lot of responsibilities and um, it's great because it's a job that's helping us, you know, pursue this lifestyle, obviously, but at the same time, it's kind of like fulfilling this purpose of like, how am I using my degree as a Jewish studies major? So um Again, even though it is a lot more of like behind the scenes work, I think it's been a really great fit for me. And I know that this is a way that God is using me to help reach the Jewish people. Well, good stuff, guys. Again, for our listeners out there, you can follow the journey, the exciting adventure of the Bacons. If you're on Instagram, you can check them out at Bacons on the Road. Again, you'll get to see some awesome pictures and they may be on the road for another year. Another two years, who knows, but there's bound to be some more wonderful pictures, and uh, I think you'll be inspired by their journey as they continue to travel across the United States, a family of five in a 33-foot RV. Uh, Wesley and Mallory, thank you for joining us today on the Tove Podcast. Uh, if you're listening today, you've clearly found us, and I'd like you to know that you can listen to previous Tove Podcasts as well as future ones by visiting tovepodcast.com, as well as numerous platforms such as Spotify and iTunes. Thanks for joining us today on the Tove Podcast.